Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Lee Chantel from Epicenter Equilibrium, a social media and content creation specialist from Brisbane, Australia. Lee Chantel has run the online vegan community Viva La Vegan since 2005, bringing positive education, information and vegan outreach to a worldwide audience through her blogs and videos. She's the author of several books, including Expert Tips from Vegan Athletes, Fitness Fanatics and Exercise Enthusiasts, There's a Vegan in the Kitchen, Viva La Vegan's Easy and Tasty Plant-Based Recipes, and What Do Vegans Eat?, She's also produced three recipe calendars, a plant-based detox diet ebook, and a collection of other recipe ebooks. For four years, she ran the not-for-profit environmental awareness Green Earth Group, which put on two successful all-vegan environmental festivals and many smaller events in Brisbane. An accredited, although no longer practising, naturopath, nutritionist and Western herbalist, speaker and consultant, Lee Chantel brings together a diverse skill set to help small business owners with social media strategy, online marketing and content creation. In this interview, she talks about the importance of overcoming your fear of selling and how a throwaway offer of help to a vegan brand helped Lee Chantel launch a new career how to stand out above the noise on social media, why you must create your own high-quality branded content and how to do it without becoming overwhelmed, ensuring your content is congruent with your brand, how to create visuals for products, services or industries that don't lend themselves naturally to strong imagery, online etiquette tips and much more. Here's the interview with Lee Chantel from Epicenter Equilibrium. Hello, Lee Chantel. It's lovely to have you on the show today. Hello, Katrina. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> so let's kick off with uh, the first question that I ask everyone is the why. You know, when we're running mission-driven businesses or purpose-driven businesses, um, tell us why you do it. Well, I guess if I take it back to why I originally started Viva La Vegan, it was because people wanted me to. So um, there was no real reason coming from myself other than what other people wanted. So it started off to promote my uh, recipe calendars that I had and people kept asking me for things. They kept on saying, oh, can you put some recipes online? Can you do a blog about this? Can you put up that um, a review or those photos that you took from that place you went and had lunch at or had dinner? And I thought, yeah, okay, I'll put that up. And I was running my Leash on Tell website with mostly all my music at that time and it just started getting a bit too 
um, different from just the music stuff. So I thought I'll I'll start a new website, and that was really what happened originally. And um, it's really hard to explain that for people, like say ten years ago when veganism wasn't a big thing and no one knew of the word. So it's hard to understand that for some people. But yeah, that was why originally, and now I guess um, I um, I'm doing my speaking and consulting and training for people and that includes some vegan aspects and that's because I really love speaking I love traveling and I love um just you know live and learn or learning from other people and teaching other people things that I know Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. So let's talk about, because I know you've got, as we mentioned, you've got vivlavegan.net, which you've had for for over 10 mm-hmm. years. You've had your Lee Chantel website, and you've also got your sort of latest incarnation, which is um, Epicenter Equilibrium. Did mm-hmm. I say that yes. right? Yeah. Cool. Um, so tell us some of the some of the key challenges that you you found when you first started out, when you were first starting up your business, which I guess would have been at the time the Viva La Vegan. Yeah, well, I guess the biggest challenge then was, like I sort of said before, working out where it should go and what it, what it was, because really there there wasn't any lifestyle vegan website then Um, 10 years ago it was pretty much just animal lib and the vegan and vegetarian societies that was about it especially that's here in australia especially in australia yeah Yeah. Um, there was a couple in the states but really there wasn't too much so um the challenge was just working out what worked i guess and um with the 10th anniversary i relaunched a lot of stuff from the from the website and some things just didn't work anymore for example the forum used to be really popular people just don't really use forums anymore so that was one of the things that went um we also had like a vegan um mentors section and we took that out as well because a lot of people are just finding mentors online so i think when starting out it was just working out the things that were needed and that came from literally every single thing with Viva La Vegan came from people saying hey can you put a search bar on your website I was trying to find something and couldn't find it yep okay I'll get my web people to do that um do you mind putting some videos to some of those recipes you do okay yeah I'll do that you know those Q&As that you do that you know when we've been interacting with non-vegans could you put them into a video or even record them as podcast yeah okay so it was really just going with the flow and that's pretty much my life goes to be honest (laughs) well that's actually a really good example actually of responding to consumer demand because you know a lot of people and I think a lot of content creators they kind of they put out what they want to put out and it's kind of like well I'd like to do this so uh, therefore I'll do it whereas what I actually really like about that is that you very much responded to okay this is what uh, you know, your clients, your cu- potential customers, this is what they wanted mm. and, and you responded to a demand. So I think that's actually quite a good example and quite a good lesson for for people to to know. So what about as you've moved more into, because Viva La Vegan is kind of like a, a almost like a publishing um, arm, you know, it's got the blog, the video, the podcast, um, your books and stuff, whereas Epicenter Equilibrium is more about, yeah, your services-based mm. um, work that you're doing. So um, in terms of that, ha- what were some of your challenges in starting that out? Because that's a relatively new-ish business, even though you've been doing speaking and consulting for a fair, 
fair bit of time, but this particular business is fairly new. So yeah. what what were some of the kind of challenges involved there and well, how have you overcome well, so them? So from that, I've always been you know, giving talks and I started giving talks when someone asked me to give a talk. And then, you know, I, I had um, some big vegan events that I organised in Brisbane. So I had some um, vegan festivals in Brisbane. And um, from that, I became quite well known in the vegan and event sort of industries because we had 3,000 to 4,000 people at the first event and that was all done with no budget and mostly my marketing. So that was a pretty big thing to sort of launch at people and people had known me from the vegan sort of um, area for a while but that was like my big hurrah, I guess. So um, that happened and I got a lot of people saying, oh, can you help me with that? Could you do that for me? So that was sort of the start of it. And then the the main sort of thing where I decided I'd actually do it for a living was um, Lee Coates from Cruelty Free Super, um, a superannuation company in Australia. When he launched it, he came to Brisbane um, just to meet me and get a little testimonial to put on the website. And I vividly remember because I said to him at the end, oh, if you ever need any social media marketing, let me know. And it was pretty much just a throwaway comment at the end of the day when we were saying goodbye. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I do. Can you send me a quote? And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I rang. I have, I have a couple of friends, um, non-vegans, but they're in IT and communication, online marketing scene. They've worked with Google SEO and stuff in the past. So I had a couple of people who would give me advice with those sort of things as well. And I rang up my friend Dave and I'm like, oh, what do I charge? What do I do? What should I, you know, what's the thing? <laughs> I asked my friend Jackson's put together, you know, um, some official paperwork that we could both sign and it was all, you know, official and legal and that was it. And it's just sort of grown, to be honest, and more people that want my skills find me. And I think in regards to the vegan stuff and my business stuff, you know, I think the people that need me find me. I really like that. And I guess that's a real testament to, you know, particularly for someone who's an expert in their field and for the service providers listening. It, I think that's a really great example of, uh, you know, just putting yourself out there, doing what you do, uh, you know, getting a reputation for being yeah. someone who's good at what you could, what you do and, and deliver. And you're absolutely right. Then, you know, people then will find you and seek you out. So I think that's fantastic. I love the way that that turned out. I didn't know that story. Happened. And you, know, you and I both know Lee, who's absolutely lovely. And isn't that that's brilliant and not being and I love the fact as well that's a really good example of not being afraid to mention that to someone you know what I mean you weren't doing like a hard sell kind of thing it was just like you said just you know just mentioning to someone you know by the way I do this if you need some help give me a call and why not and that got you know got you um a, a fabulous client and and obviously a great um service for for Lee which he needed so yeah. it was a, a really good fit because you know sometimes there's some ickiness around oh selling yeah. you know or being afraid to sell but I think that's a really great example of a uh, a wonderful exchange that's benefited both parties yeah, so. definitely and I think you know you and I have spoken about this quite a bit in the past and it's like working out 
um, how to approach people or knowing when the hard sell or not to sell. And I think like it's really important to have friendships and meet people. And I could have easily, I know heaps of people that wouldn't have even bothered to meet Lee and Sue when they came to Australia, but I'm really sociable. I like meeting new people. I find it really interesting just finding out what makes people tick. So I think those things are also positives in my corner that help. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you know, the whole thing about people like to do business with people they like and trust. So I think that's a a really great example. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Um, So let's talk about social media marketing. Um, What are some of the key social media marketing challenges uh, facing vegan business owners at the moment? Well, because it's a niche thing and it's, or even because it's on trend at the moment, that's always a bit of a hard thing to work around. So I see a lot of people that post half naked photos of themselves and um, lots of raw food, or this is what I ate in a day or something. And that seems to get the most sort of interaction. So to me, I personally think that it's a challenge if we can't get the true core values of veganism across and the true ethics of the movement so you know one of the talks I give is about ethics beyond the plate and I'm, I'm really passionate and very vocal about talking to people about things that exist not just with what food you eat or not just about how pretty your smoothie or your plate looks when you eat it and it's a really hard thing because that's the things that get, get the most engagement. Like so many of my friends will say, you know, they'll post something about, um, you know, a protest that's happening or some animal rights related stuff. You get one comment or one like, post a photo of, you know, something really pretty or a nice smoothie and you'll get hundreds of likes. And, you know, it's somehow trying to balance those two, whereas getting the most important things across and what I would think are the ethical sort of things across to people and still getting that interaction and still getting people to like those things. Because mm. I guess, though, I guess, I mean, just kind of playing a bit of devil's advocate mm-hmm. there, I suppose, like for a vegan food brand, for example, mm. that is is selling smoothies, I mean, obviously, that's, a, uh, a, you know, a positive for them, yep. or that's kind of like, you know, they've got to do that to get into their business. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, you know, and obviously, I think a lot of business owners, particularly vegan business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, they are activists at heart, and they're running their businesses, you know, to make a difference in the world. Um, but then again, I suppose they've also, you know, in order to run that business, they've got to have people engaging. So I guess it's that. It's that tricky thing mm. of weighing that up. So from a, a business perspective, and I get that from the ethical thing stance, and I'm glad you've shared that. What about in terms of uh, just from a business perspective, so getting people to engage with their brand? What are some of the, the key challenges around social media in regards to that? Well, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things that are being shared. So it's how to stand out I guess and I always bring that back to people you know you need to be creating your own content your own branded contents even better and it needs to be something that's of value to people that people will go to your channel your page to see something that gives them something and something that needs to be shareable and they're the things that people need to be creating. And it's like people are time poor. People don't want to do this. It's easy just to, um, you know, share a meme that someone else has created. And, you know, they're, I think they're the biggest challenges, being seen and using time more effectively online. 
Absolutely. I'm glad you, you brought that up because that was going to be my next question was that, that whole thing about, yeah, that nowadays, and you and I have discussed this before, there's just so much mm. way, way more content in, in quotes out there. So how can people do that? Like, you know, especially, I guess, new businesses coming in, sometimes I might feel a bit disheartened and, and think, well, why bother? You know, because there's already, you know, so much going on. So what, in your opinion, what can they do to to stand out? What are some of the key things or the, you know, some little tips that they can do? do to make their content stand out? I think, um, like I said, your own branded content is really the top thing and it needs to be professional too. So I've just seen a few examples of people not taking very professional photos lately and it just looks really bad. And this is on their website, this is on their social media and the lighting's really bad, the photos are grainy. That's not good enough. Everyone's got a Pretty much everyone has a um, camera in their phone nowadays that takes pretty good photos. So I don't think people have that sort of excuse anymore. It's really cheap to get videos. It's really cheap to get video cameras or cameras, microphones, things like that. That's cheap. And um, people can do that. And I think people need to just up their sort of professionalism with some of their posts. And... Um, I think also you need to work out what you want to be presenting. Like some some people that I consult, they'll their website or their page will be quite chaotic and there's no real theme. So, for example, they're selling no vegan chocolate, for example. But then there's all these other quotes with or memes that don't necessarily necessarily relate to food or even vegan food. So you need to get that sort of balanced a bit as well. And um, what would other things be? Um, it's just it needs to deliver a message to people. So I think another thing that's really important is giving someone a story or letting them know behind the scenes people love that sort of stuff so you know our friend jessica bailey from the cruelty free shop she's just about to open a store up here in brisbane and another one in canberra and um she's sharing photos of you know when the the flooring's getting put in when the ceiling's being painted when you know all the shelving's being put in these are really important sort of things to engage with people and say hey this is what we're doing and people get involved and people are, oh, I remember when it looked like that I can't wait for the opening you know <laughs> people love that That's, yeah they do yeah absolutely right I'm really glad you shared that I think mean, it's raised some really good points there is one yes you know keep it hot like you say you don't have to be a, a professional photographer but you're right you know badly lit and uh, you know grainy photos and not you know they're no you know no longer acceptable and you're absolutely like people do want to you know get excited as well you know particularly for about to launch is to share the story of your launch and I've seen yeah Jess is doing a great job of that like you know, like a photo of an empty store and then now suddenly you know it's got shelves in and now it's got products in and it's starting to look like um, you know like you say the cruelty free shot those are brilliant those are really really good um, uh, tips there thank you so social media as we know it's changed a lot since it's in Inception. We've got new platforms coming in left, right and centre and older platforms changing their rules, changing their algorithms and throwing everyone into chaos. Um, what tips, advice or strategies can you offer vegan business owners and entrepreneurs to make the best use of social media nowadays? It would be working out what is best suited for you and what 
uh, how you can use them in the most effective way to either sell your products or get the word out about whatever you're trying to promote. So those things would be related to, say, for example, if you if you sell shoes or if you sell smoothies, they're going to be visual sort of things. So you'd be really you'd be great to be on, say, Instagram or Pinterest and places like that because they're primarily visual places. And with that in mind, um, visual things as in videos or photos get shared a lot more and have more interaction. So I would suggest people use a lot more of them just in any social media and in day-to-day sharing online. But I would suggest people especially if you've got a website and you've got, you know, your Google Analytics set up, have a look online. What's getting you the most um, interaction? How are people getting to your site? If it's, I know, for example, um, one of the biggest ones for me is Pinterest. And Pinterest, a lot of people forget about, but it's, to me, it's like, one of the best ones, I would say, because if, if you're not aware of Pinterest, you pin something, and I would pin that, say, from my website. And when you go onto Pinterest, if you like a pin, you can click on it, and when you click on it, it actually goes to where the photo is hosted in the beginning, which, say, would be my website. So this is, like, the only social media site that actually links back to the original post. And if you're posting things from your website, I think that's amazing, and I don't understand why more people don't use it, and especially (laughs) because the majority of things on Pinterest are repinned. So it's something like over 80% of things on Pinterest are people repinning other people's content. So you're going to have much more interaction on there than, say, Instagram, which is mostly just people putting photos of themselves or whatever they want to share. Okay, now that's a good point, actually. And I must admit, I'm not on Pinterest. I kind of I've been dabbling with Instagram, um, but that's an interesting one that you get like with the whole repins and stuff. So that's good to know. What about for service products? So say someone's not selling kind of like you know a sexy product like shoes or fashion or food. You know, maybe they're you know a service provider or you know a health coach or um, uh, you know maybe they're an accountant, maybe they're a vegan accountant or you know uh, something like that. How does that sort of work? Or even Lee, you mentioned you know the cruelty free super fun like does that work with that those kind of businesses or would they be better focusing on other types of platforms yes they would be better focusing on other platforms and you know money's a hard sell cruelty free super has been a hard sell and um you know because it's not cool it's not pretty you can't put a nice photo and of a smoothie and a selfie yeah. on, you know, about money. It's superannuation. Um, so, and it has to be way more professional and um, very, you, you know, you have to stick to certain rules within those sort of industries. So we use for Cruelty Free Super, it's Facebook, Google Plus and YouTube and Twitter. So um, they all are quite good and we also – if you think think out, I try to encourage people to think outside the square. So, say for example, with cruelty free super, not many visuals. How do we create visuals that can share something with people? So, one of those things would be Lee did a few Q and A questions um, on video, 
and um, we then created them into podcasts. And I definitely suggest podcasts to money-related or those sort of industries. And um, we also got testimonials from people. So we filmed a few of those on video, and we actually got short testimonials that we made into an image. So it was branded up, had testimonials, but we were able to use that information in a visual way. So they would be things that I would suggest to people. And um, pretty much everyone needs to be on Facebook. Whether or not you're getting the reach that you used to, whether or not you like it, whether or not there's all these security issues, and um, but that's where most people are and that's still going to be the primary place to be. Excellent. That's really good advice. And I love that because sometimes business owners kind of think, oh, you know, you've got to be everywhere. Like I was talking to, I interviewed Damien Clarkson recently and, um, you know, I was saying, oh, I got this email, you know, about, oh, Snapchat for business. That's the new thing. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just don't want to know about one more. So I like the fact that you said, you know, really focus on, you know, where your clients are, you know, where are the majority of your clients going to be hanging out rather than just worrying about, uh, I've absolutely got to be everywhere. Because we touched on that, you know, feeling overwhelmed, you know, having to create all these different types of, of content. So we'll talk about Facebook in a little bit, but let me just ask you then, so how much time um, per week or per day do you recommend business owners work on their social media, particularly if they're doing it themselves, say, to begin well, with? Well, okay, so when you say social media, I would include content creation in that as well. So you want to be creating your own content. So you need to work out what you have already or um, what you can use with what you have. Say a lot of people have product photos that they haven't done anything with. So I'll go to see clients and a lot of them will have hundreds and hundreds of photos they've never done anything with. So I'll show them something to use like say pickmonkey.com is a really easy photo editing website you could use. So you can literally just drag your photo or upload your photo into the website and put on a bit of branding and put in your logo onto that. You could do, um, for example, um, a photo of um, nutritional yeast and list all the positives um, for it and what you can use it for and brand it up for your shop. There's so many things that you could do like that. So when um, I focus on social media time, I would be thinking about that. So you need to create all this content that you can use first. That's step one. And if you don't have those things, you need to get someone to create videos or um, photos for you. If you don't know how to do those things online, like it's very simple, but if you don't know how to do them, you need to get someone to do it. And that's, you know, I do a lot of content creation for people because people just can't handle learning new things or adding something else into their life. It seems so overwhelming. Exactly. Yeah, I do a similar thing as well. Yeah, help. It's that often that's because that's the thing that business owners say. It's kind of like, even if they wanted to do yeah. it, do you know, what I mean, they're so busy, busy kind of, you know, running their yeah. actual business um, exactly. that they don't have the time to, you know, write a blog or create a vlog or, or, or do all this kind of thing. Well, once so, it's done, that's it. Like you don't have to 
do anything more with it. You've got these testimonials branded up. You've got these Q&A videos. You've got this text for a blog. Or, you know, when you do a Q&A, you've got it as a podcast. You could get someone to transcribe it for you. And then that's a blog or that's your ebook. There's so many different things that you can do from just one piece of content that I really want people to grasp. And I really hope that's what they can take away from this. You know, they can lead to so many different things. And when you've got those things, they're there already in folders. Hopefully you have folders and it's all organized nicely so you can find it easily. But that's what you need. And then from that, you work out some sort of um, schedule or some sort of like Monday I share a blog, Tuesday I share my video, Wednesday's the podcast, Thursday's a photo from the store, Friday's um, a, a testimonial or a quote from someone. And you you work that out, what you want to do, and you work out the times that are best suited to whatever the social media channel is to share, and then you share them. And you sit down once a week or once a month or once every few months and you schedule all those things. So I use Hootsuite, for example, and you schedule whatever you can. And also keep in mind you want to be going in, onto these social media channels and interacting with other people. It's not just all about you know, sharing stuff to people all the time. You have to interact with people. You have to be social. That's the, you know, the main word in social media marketing. <laughs> be social, interact with other people. If someone asks you a question, get back to them. Um, so you have to do that as well. And, you know, for example, myself, um, I'm very, I'm better with boundaries now and I set these sort of things in my life. So I'm having a bit more of a life and I'm doing things that are bringing me more joy, I guess, or setting myself up for, you know, success or financial sort of things in the future. And social media, being on it all the time, it's a waste of time in a lot of aspects. So you want to be using your time effectively and you want to just, you know, get into social media, post whatever you need to, interact with a few people, share a few other people's things and get off. Mm, that's really good advice. Actually, it's so easy, isn't it, to get into that? Particularly Facebook, I mm. find from you know, if you start to sort of scroll through through your feed a bit, and a little, of course, now these videos auto play, you know, with cute cats, whatever. <laughs> oh, just watch that, and then by the time you know, it's like, oh my god, the whole morning's gone. I could have done X, Y, and Z. Oh, no. um, so what I'm hearing for you, Lady Chantelle, is like you recommend not just creating content on the hop every single week, but perhaps doing like you know, marking out maybe a day or mm. something, or a, a two blaze, whatever. And and then and doing a whole creating a whole load of content so that you've got it um, and then spend the rest of the time like scheduling it out so it lasts you for a while so you're not kind of constantly under pressure to actually create original content at say every single week or every day exactly. is that right and all yeah. you have to do like I've done it with Viva La Vegan I've done it for other clients once a year you get together and you sit down I film videos for people so once a year and then you've got 12 videos for someone that you can use one a month for the rest of the year. You, Fantastic. You know, and you have to you have to think about these sort of things and it's using time effectively, which people don't seem to have any concept of nowadays. They just think we need to be online, we need to be connected all the time, and that's me living. Well, it's not. 
and you need to be really aware of these sort of things because you want to be putting it into your business or setting yourself up to, you know, um, get where you want to be in regards to success or whatever. And all these other things that can take up our time and distract us are just that, distractions. Mm, very good advice. Very good advice. I like this. I'm thinking I need to apply some of this to myself even. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Facebook because Facebook has changed. Like mm. you say, people are still on it. It's still a very popular platform. It's certainly my favorite social media platform, even though most journalists tend to like Twitter. I, mm. I, I don't like 140 characters. <laughs> drives me nuts. So I like Facebook. But anyway, but like with pages, like for example, we've seen lots of changes. And I think the latest figure I saw was that if you share organically from your page, it's now getting to be as low as almost 1% mm-hmm. of your followers are likely to see it. Um, so a lot of the time now, it's it's pay to play, Facebook ads. Now, some business owners swear by Facebook ads, others find them complex and say that they don't work. So tell us about what successes have you had either with your own business or with those of clients with Facebook advertising? Mm. You, like you said, you have to pay to play. That's just, that's the rule with Facebook. Um, you just have to deal with that. So um, I don't like Facebook. I can't stand it. I think it's a waste of time. (laughs) It just brings out the worst in everyone. I don't have a personal Facebook page anymore, and I haven't had that for quite a few years now, and it was amazing. It was one of the best things I did in my life. But I have pages. I have a fake profile so I can run my pages and other clients' pages. And you, like you said, the 1%. So if you think about how many followers you have organically, the reach to get to those people is going to be about 1%. And that just changed uh, within the month. So it was used to be three to five percent and it's gone down just recently because Facebook changed their algorithm again so the things that are more that they deem more important are things that your family and your close friends are sharing so that's more important to them and that's what they're putting as more important in your newsfeed the things that you always see are if someone has a baby that's the thing you're always going to see organically everything else you're going to have to really fight for God, dear, that's depressing. So no offence to parents or children. But I do not want to see babies in my feed unless they're baby cats baby animals. The algorithm can't seem to work that bit out yet. <laughs> but um, it's um, it's – I think it's depressing too, but then it's, you know, if you think about, say, uh, six or something years ago where it was free and everyone was getting all this great organic content, the best way to get someone paying for a product is to get them addicted to something when it's free. So they got us all addicted, you know, six to ten years ago and now we have to pay to be involved and you're either paying for that with your Um, information that you're giving them quite willingly and so much information that a lot of people seem to share or like for pages you're putting that through with advertising money and you have to do it like I said there's just no way around it and I would suggest with people they start with a boosted post So if you have a look when you post something, there'll be a little blue button at the bottom that'll say boost post. All you have to do is press that. You can put in an amount of money you want to pay, how long you want that to go for, who you want to target it to, like in a certain area. And um, that is the easiest thing that I suggest to all my clients. You need to be doing that at least $5, at least once a week. And there was a 
quite a bit of discussion a few years ago when the algorithm changes first impacted pages and a lot of people were saying that you need to be putting $5 on every single post that you put on Facebook. And a lot of people were saying, we can't afford that, we don't want to do that, what's the point in that? And the whole idea was they wanted people to be thinking of whether or not their post is relevant and whether or not it's actually going to be engaging or it's worthwhile to put on. So I would suggest to people, have that in in your head. I don't agree with putting $5 to every post, but have it in your head. Is this post I'm about to post worth $5 per post? If it's not, don't be posting it. Okay. What about in? <clears throat> excuse me. What about though in terms of sharing, like occasionally sharing other people's content? Because you might want to do that rather than you know constantly sharing your own. Hmm. Like I think you mentioned, but <clears throat> would you be paying for that though? Like to share, you know, an article that's on someone else, or you know, a piece of content that somebody else's or on someone else's site, I, or will you I just be focusing wouldn't. on your own? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, that's just <laughs> going to be a bit ridiculous for most people to afford I would say but yeah focus on your own content and the stuff that you want promoted the most so um, for example you've got a new product that's just come into the store or you've got um, some new services you want to launch or you've got an event coming up or you want to sell tickets to something there's sort of major things that you should probably put a major amount of money into um, but I and on that point you need to be sharing stuff from other people as well what about in terms of with Facebook advertising? I know one of the things I've or can be trickier, I found tricky, is that you can get very targeted, which is great. You know, so it's particularly like if you're a local business, you can very much hone in on, you know, your local suburb, your local city, and that's great. But then again, you've got things like, you know, so say you wanted to target someone who's interested in veganism. Mm. Is that too big? Like what, what, what advice can you offer in terms of that targeting? Because sometimes it seems like it can be really targeted and zoned in, and then other times it can seem like... Like it's a bit broad, you know what I mean? If you're just clicking, you know, people in this area, aged whatever, who are interested in veganism, for example, just as a, an off the, the cuff thing or interested in fashion. Mm. So can you talk a little bit at all or any little tips that we might not know about in terms of um, targeting? I think you really need to have be, um, I think, find out about the different types of advertising first. So if you go into the, the advertising pages on Facebook, there's lots of different options that you can choose. So some are targeted to websites, targeted to events, targeted to apps. You need to work out which one works out first and just play around with things, work out what works for you. And this is another thing with getting um, used to analytics and what works. So if you're putting something online that you say you've really targeted, like vegan fashion in Melbourne, for example, and then you do another one that's focused to vegans in Melbourne or vegans within a certain space in Melbourne or vegans that like other pages that are around vegan places in Melbourne, you know, work out which one works best for you. Like there's a really a not, not everything works for everyone and the more that you are actually aware of how well things work or like say the return on investment you'll work out what's best for you and what you should be putting more money towards or the things you should be creating. So, for example, if you're posting um, a cute photo of the 
your favourite um, customer's dog that comes in every week to get the dog biscuits and that does really well, then you know, okay, dog photos at the store are going to work really well. Maybe I'll put a bit more money onto that this week or the other things that don't work, you know, work out why they don't work. Could you change something? Could you change the age, for example, is a good one to change? And, yeah, like you said, um, specific areas and just a lot of people just think, oh, yeah, veganism, <laughs> that's all I need. But that's sort of like saying um, who's your target audience? Everyone. Well, it's not. So not every vegan is going to be interested in something you're sharing. So maybe you need to target it to, say, people that are interested in health or, say, for example, like my Vegan Athletes book I just released. I had to get to know a lot of these fitness or um uh, working out related terms to be able to promote it in the best way because I'm that's not the scene that I'm in but you know things like vegan gains or um, fit fit inspiration or fit spo and oh yeah you know all yeah. these things that you just have to think outside the square a bit or have a look at what other people use I know it's a bit hard with Facebook but um, if you have a look on Facebook and you see an ad come up for something in particular, you can click on something that will say, why did I get this or why is this showing up? And it will tell you exactly why because you're in this age bracket, you're in this area. Just have a look at what other people oh, do. That's a really helpful tip. Well, that's thank excellent. You. <laughs> thank you for that. That's great. No, and that's, that's that's some really good advice there. About And like you say, it is a kind of, it's a, I mean, it's obviously very beneficial to Facebook, but it mm. is a case of test and measure. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, we just have to suck it up. And like, um, really, there's a lot of stats that are going around saying that the majority of advertising you do online, only 50% of it actually works. So, I don't know, try not to be disappointed and disillusioned by that. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Now, that's some really useful advice there. So at what stage, so for example, so, okay, so there's, I mean, actually running your own Facebook ads, like with all the test and measure and the checking your analytics and everything. Again, that's, a, you know, a lot of time involved there. So what about if people want to um, hire a social media professional? So they've got a bit of a budget. At what stage is it advisable for a business to hire a social media professional? professional probably when like you were saying before it's taking you away from actually running your business so when you should be focusing on other things and you're doing all the advertising sort of stuff so if you think about years ago businesses used to have a marketing team um you need to think about that as maybe an online marketing team nowadays. So do you need one of those? And normally that would come into I'm spending way too much time on this or I'm getting frustrated by the amount of time I'm spending and I'm not feeling as though I'm learning or feeling as though I'm understanding it. And that's what I really like to do nowadays is to you know consult people and give appraisals and sit down one-on-one -on -one with someone and see their skill set see where they're at can they use shortcuts on their computer can they copy and paste stuff can they um can they even read well or um you know could they understand some sort of basic facebook video with how to set up adverts if they struggle with some of those sort of things and maybe you need someone else to do it. And sometimes that can be your granddaughter or your grandson, you know. It doesn't have to necessarily be someone who's professional, especially if you don't have the budget for it. 
Got it. Got it. What should they look for? If someone is ready to hire someone professionally, what should they look for in a social media professional or an online marketer? Um, I think, um, I guess the <laughs> thing that I would say was um, you need to be someone that you can trust, someone that's very honest and upfront and transparent and um I think I think that's just people in general, but um, those are really important. And I just heard I gave a talk um, last week um, for a business, and there was quite a few other business people that came to it. And one of them was just saying that they um, they do a video production company, and they noticed their competition runs something where we'll do your creation of video for you and we'll guarantee that you get this amount of views. So whenever someone's guaranteeing views or interaction, that would give me red flags. You can't it would guarantee me too. <laughs> that. You shouldn't be guaranteeing that. So I really had to do a bit of a hard debate with this lady to try and get her to see that that's not something she should be aiming towards just because her competitor is doing it. It's not something she should even be thinking about getting into. And um, you want someone that can say, I was, you know, I was telling her, for example, with a advertising campaign I'm just working on at the moment for a client. I went through at the beginning of the year and just pretty much went through Facebook, Twitter and Google ads and I would work out $20 for whatever the keywords are in this area gives you this, $50 gives you this, $100 gives you this, $200 gives you that. And I would literally take a screenshot of each of those things and send it on to my client. So that shows you the reach and that can show you the potential people that could interact with it. But for anything other than that, anyone who's guaranteeing it, you don't want to be doing anything with them. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, I mean, my partner Tracy and I, we get so many calls from and emails mm. from people promising yep. to get you on the first page of Google and all this kind of thing. And they're getting more and more clever. They say, oh, I'm actually from Google, mm. you know, and then, of course, you find that no, that they're not. So in terms of that, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you touched on that guarantee. So what guarantees, if any, then should a business owner expect to get from hiring a social media or an online marketer? Because I guess, you know, in the, the view of business people is, look, I'm paying this person and I'm, yeah, I'm paying mm. for them for their skills and their Efforts. So what guarantees, if any, should or could they expect to get? Well, you should be getting someone that is honest and transparent with what they can do. So when someone's saying, I'm going to guarantee I'm getting this for you, how are you going to give me that? What are the what are the ways that you're actually going to do to do this? And if you really ask those questions or really track back the source, you're going to find that they're going to pay someone to do it. And this actually, this is another tip I want to give to people. If you're paying to have, say, a thousand or ten thousand new followers on a social media channel, they're not going to be targeted to what you want. They're going to be from random places all over the world that aren't related to what you want to do. And if you think about it, it might look good for people, but if you think about advertising, because you have to do advertising nowadays, especially on Facebook, you're pretty much wasting a hell of a lot of the money that you're putting into advertising because it's going to go to some of those fake people. So that's the biggest reason I'd say for people not to purchase fans or purchase likes or followers or interaction. 
so that would be one thing I'd be asking. What? How are you saying this? And that, like I was giving that example before about screenshots, you can actually see that that's come, you know, from wherever it is, from an advertising campaign that you were sort of setting up as a trial thing. That's a good example of what you can achieve for people. And I would also say um, just have a look what they do online for other clients and how other clients have gone and ask people who they use. Like if you if you see some really good interaction or you see um, some great work online, just say, oh, hey, who does that? And most people would be quite happy to share those things with you. Um, and I think um, I would look for someone who would return emails or phone calls. <laughs> That's always helpful. Yes. <laughs> absolutely it is because people seem to forget about those things nowadays with being connected to the whole world that people don't seem to focus on those things that really matter as in someone's um listen to what I've what I've said or left a message or left an email and they're responding to exactly what I said so yeah you want yeah. someone that you know oh hey if I send them this email and I'm freaking out because something happened on Facebook I don't understand the advert that they're going to get back to you in a pretty good amount of time instead of you freaking out for a whole week and until someone gets back to you Excellent. Good advice. Gosh, we're, well, I know we're cramming a lot in here and I know we're kind of we're at 48 minutes already. So um, this is great. This is some really good information. But let, let's motor along a little bit now. So we've got uh, let's talk a bit about online etiquette. Then what are some of which is another area that I know you specialize with and you work with people on? What are some of the mistakes you see businesses <laughs> or brands do online, either on their social media or on their own sites, but in public? Oh, just being mean is the biggest one, I think. And um my biggest tip is act, don't react. So I don't understand why people need to get in full-on heated disagreements <laughs> with people online. And that's not just personal. I'm talking about pages getting into um, debates with people or they see someone said something mean about them somewhere so they need to get in and say something. Like it's, it's really not cool. I just don't understand how people get so attached to someone's opinion, you know, of them. Like to me, I, I guess I'm a bit detached with all that sort of stuff and I guess I'll, and a lot of people aren't. So I find that quite hard to understand sometimes and, you know, I've seen things go out of hand and people making videos about people because they disagree with stuff, people oh, yes. writing blogs <laughs> about people. I don't understand. Like if I've got a problem with someone, I'll ring them up and say, hey, let's sort it out and that's it. <laughs> and I understand I'm better at communication than a lot of people. I understand I'm quite upfront and get to things quickly. I understand not everyone's like that, but we need to be really, really conscious of what we share and who's going to read your post and just be nice. <laughs> That's some really good advice. So if someone, and I think you're right, it is about that communication. I think as business owners, it's one of the skills that we have to develop um, is to communicate better with our staff, with our customers and online. So if someone has, get, say they get a bad, like someone goes on and they leave a really, you know, crappy review, what should a business owner do? Well, one thing you need to respond ASAP. So like I was saying before, social media is social. You need to be on there. And the majority of people are using social media to um, leave reviews to ask questions and leave feedback so if you're not on there 
um, doing those sort of things, you need to do that. If you can't do it, if you don't have the time, you need to pay someone to do it. It's pretty simple. Um, and if someone, I just had someone, uh, someone I was consulting the other week, one of their biggest issues was people, they said, you know, people will have a really good um, interaction with us, was the hotel. So they have um, really good interaction at the hotel, but they're not the ones who share things online. They don't share a review. And I said, well, when you get, you know, someone that's saying, oh, I loved I love the stay. I loved, you know, everyone was really nice. I said, that's when you say, hey, we'd really love if you could put that feedback online, if you could put it on Facebook, put it on Google+, or even just send us an email or write something down that we could share on your behalf. And for the, so, and they were saying that they had a few people recently who didn't even talk to them. You know, when they left the hotel, everything was fine. But as soon as they get home, it's online so they had no idea of that and that's like a communication thing that you know people are lacking in communicating with people properly nowadays um it's just interaction and um or it's just it's not conversation I guess rather than interaction and um so I just said to them you need when someone says something like that you you know someone says oh so-and-so didn't do what they were meant to or was treated badly, you say, look, thank you for your feedback. If you'd like to call us on this number, if you'd like to message us privately, I'd like to find out more information about this and we'd really like to follow this up with you. You need to listen to people. So when people have some sort of issue, they just want to feel as though they're being heard. And if you're not listening to them, that's a big issue and you're going to stop everything there. And, you know, nowadays it's really easy for people to go, if you don't give me my breakfast for free because I rah, 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 I'm going to put it up all on social media. So it's really, really easy for negative things to just go everywhere. Um, it so is. And I think that's really fantastic advice. I like the way that you said that you acknowledge it online so other people can see mm-hmm. that you're taking it seriously, but you take it offline yeah. to actually resolve it yes. rather than getting into a toing and froing online. So that, that's excellent advice. Now, you touched a bit earlier on events because you say you, you've run several very successful events, the Green Earth um, event, environmental, vegan festivals, Mm -hmm. very successfully. Um, Now, obviously, running an event, it's a great marketing tool, as we've seen for yourself. You know, it raises your profile, your business and your brand. Um, So what are some of the what are some of the challenges um, involved in holding events? Oh, gosh, Katrina, everything's a challenge with events. Like, it really is. It's not a joke. I'm 100% serious. Every single thing related to an event is a challenge. And mostly that re- that comes down to people and um, relying on people, volunteers, things like that is the biggest issues that you're going to have with events. Um, then there's, like, raising money, dealing with councils, getting the right paperwork and insurance and Um, those sort of things that you need then there's weather there's just so so many variables there's so many things that can go wrong and um, you have to really think about whether you can do these things properly and you know I'd like to point out with with my festivals I did that full-time and I was able to do that full-time I don't have kids I don't have a mortgage Um, I was working from home so I didn't have to go anywhere to work I didn't have to travel a long time to do that 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 was I was able to focus on that 100% of my time and that's what those things really need and that's why things don't really work that well sometimes with other events because it needs to be your priority 
What about for business owners who maybe want to hold a small event? Because I know you're talking about kind of, you know, quite sort of like full on festivals, perhaps with stalls and mm. lots of stakeholders. What about if, say, you know, a business or a brand, a bit like Lee did, for example, like, um, when he, he did like a little bit of a, a speaking tour. Mm. Um, like so if they want to put on a, a little bit of a smaller a sort of event where, you know, they can kind of, you know, perhaps gather some of their customers or potential customers together. What tips could you offer them? Yeah, well, that that's good as well. And you need someone who has the experience. You know, that's why I, I organised and hosted that for him because I've got that experience. And someone who has that was in particular Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, so who has tour experience as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great idea. You have to think about things like money. So how much money are you going to put towards it? Like you need to hire a space, you need to do some marketing, you might need some licences or public liability. Are you going to provide food for people? Um, that was the biggest issue actually with that cruelty-free super vegan lifestyle tour was the food. So <laughs> I, That is, yeah, that can often be a bit tricky. I found that as well with hosting like these small business events. It's like, okay, got to get that food sponsor locks in otherwise yeah. you know what are people going to nibble and just, just little <laughs> things like the more professional spaces that we wanted to use wouldn't allow us to have outside catering or, or vegan catering so you know and it was a free event we wanted people to attend a free event and donate money to the local animal sanctuaries so we did not want to be spending a lot of money on um, things where we you know we had a few people that gave us some some discounted or free stock that was really helpful but you can't you can't put a lot of money towards something if you if you're not charging for it for example but i I like you, what you asked. It is, it's a great idea. It is a good marketing tool. And especially if, say, for example, Lee and Sue live in the UK and this is an Australian business, so they need to be in the front line meeting people. And that was one of the suggestions I gave to them. You need to be here more often so people can see you. And, yeah. you know, I think that worked really well. And then also... You know, I filmed um, the the event and we filmed the Q&A. So that's online now and that's, they're also podcasts. So that can go across to different people as well. So that's also great for marketing and, and especially um, having people involved in different areas. So you were involved in the Sydney one and various people were in Melbourne and, and Brisbane. So it's just working with other people for that sort of common goal. Excellent. Love that. Really good advice. Now, another group right where marketing is books and you're the author of many books and you know, you've got your recipe books, you've got your latest fabulous uh, vegan <laughs> athletes book, which contains, you know, over 100 interviews with, you know, vegan athletes and people into fitness, which is fantastic, both print and ebooks. Now, obviously, having a book, great way, again, to position yourself as an expert, as well as to raise the profile of your brand. Um, what benefits have you gained from being an author? Um, I think it sort of links with everything else, to be honest. So, you know, I a lot of people just focus primarily on social media now, but it's really important to have in-person promotion as well, and it's really, really important for email lists. And I'd like to point out to people that since 2000, when was my... 2005 was when I first did my first calendar for 2006. I was doing all the vegan events for many, many years. Um, I had a bit of a break around just after my festival and when I was traveling a bit, but that was really important. So I think you need to utilize many different arenas and many different ways to promote yourself. And I think books are amazing because 
um, well, one, you have control over it and um, it's in print format and, you know, I, I read a lot. I love books. A lot of people don't find that hard to understand but I just it's just amazing to have something in your hand and I love even still like CDs I released years ago, just going through and flicking at it and going, hey, I created this. Like I love this. This is beautiful. Like it's a really it's a, a pretty amazing thing to to do and to achieve and I guess I'm very goal focused as well so it's just an accumulation that book my vegan athletes book was an accumulation of four years of working on that so that's pretty amazing to have it in your hand and go hey that was worth it you know and it gives you that credibility and out it, in the marketplace. It does give well. you credibility. And um, also I think, you know, you should write as much as you can if, if that's one of your skill sets. And, you know, the more you have under your name or your brand, the better. And I, I feel once you get, like, that was my fourth print book and I've had about maybe six other e-books as well that aren't in print. Um, but I find, and I've heard a few people mention it recently, the fourth book's like when you start sort of getting a bit more, um, not necessarily acknowledgement, but it's sort of, um, can't think of the word, sorry, it's more just it moves everything yeah maybe more established but it's just momentum that's the word sorry so you're getting a bit more momentum with your stuff you you know first book oh yeah anyone can release book that's easy first book second book oh yeah she yeah maybe she's doing this publishing thing by the fourth book people are going oh hey she's actually a published author and she's done this a few times she might know what she's talking about (laughs) exactly now just on that then so the majority if not all of your books you publish them through your own publishing company why did you choose to go this route and what are some of the benefits of doing that? Well, um, I guess it would be control would be the biggest thing for me and um, being I know exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it, the people I want to use. Like I have a lot of creative friends, so I've got someone who will take my photos, someone who will design it for me, someone who can edit it for me. I know exactly with every single thing I've done how I want it to look and how I want it to be achieved and then I just find the people to help me do that along the process. And so another major thing for me is um, if you get a publishing deal, unless you're like Stephen King or someone massive, you're not actually going to get someone that's going to do any publicity or marketing for you. So the biggest thing for most people is the publicity and the marketing of the book. So if you're not getting that and you're signing with someone but they're taking away a lot of your rights or they're having control over a lot of things, I don't see the benefit in that. I've had quite a few friends who have been um, published with large publishing companies. The biggest incentive, if you can get like in a million dollar, two million dollar um, advance from a book deal, hell yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but anything else, I don't think it's worth it. And this goes down like I've heard, you know, people were told at the beginning, oh, yeah, you'll have, you can choose the editor, you can choose, yep, you, it's your final say, whatever, first go, doesn't work out like that. Exactly. And then yeah. 
and, and often editors change, don't so yeah. whoever originally commissioned it, that can change and the book becomes what's known in the trade as orphaned and all yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's similar to like if you get signed to a, a, a publishing label or a music label in music, you know, the people that wanted to sign you or are really passionate about it in the AR and the artist and repertoire section, they move on or they get a better job and you'll and they're left with some band they don't even care for trying to work out how to how to use them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, no, I think yeah. self-publishing. Once you get the steps, so that's another thing. Um, a lot of people are asking me how to write books and how to um, publish them now. So that's another thing I'll be working on, especially next year. So how to write a book, um, how to get it all down, because I'm I'm very good with time management, energy management, and all that sort of stuff. And excellent. Um, and also how to create ebooks, so um, formatting ebooks and how to get them published. So that's another thing I'm working on at the moment. And it's I find it's interesting. I love learning new things. So if you don't, maybe that might, that might be a bit harder. And I also feel like some back on who publishes. There's a lot of larger publishing companies that say they're going to do all this stuff for you and they do to some extent but it's very expensive Mm. so if you you have a spare thousand or two thousand dollars that they can do everything for you then go for it that's great you know but I like the idea I did this I created it every single part of this is me like it had nothing to do with anyone else except for the people that I asked for their help you know exactly like the expert editors and the expert designers etc now that's wonderful you've shared so much we've (laughs) just gone over an hour now so we're going to wrap up there that's been absolutely (laughs) wonderful you've shared some really really fabulous advice you know around the social media online marketing because it is a bit of a minefield both for you know new businesses and existing businesses so really appreciate you sharing your wonderful advice and expertise it's been lovely having you on the show thank you Lee Chantel thank you Katrina and thanks everyone for listening So that was Lee Chantel from Epicenter Equilibrium. You can find out more at epicenterequilibrium.com and lee-chantel.com. And you can find those links on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 44. Now for our Vegan Business News Roundup. Blossom Du Jour, New York's largest vegan restaurant chain, has opened a new eatery that includes a soul lounge, reports Gothamist. Urban Vegan Kitchen includes on its menu a quarter-pounder burger made from a mushroom and barley patty topped with fried shallots, tomatoes, pickles, lettuce and sauce, plus optional avocado or shiitake bacon, plus other veganised versions of popular dishes, including lasagna with sunflower tofu ricotta. Mmm, that sounds absolutely lovely. (laughs) Underneath the cafe is Chris's Cat House and Soul Lounge, a subterranean restaurant and bar that doubles as an event space. Music nights and education sessions are planned and customers can kick back and enjoy a low-key space to listen to soul music, drink cocktails and enjoy their vegan eats. It's great to see vegan venues bring something extra to the table, pun intended, (laughs) by making spaces appealing by mixing music, entertainment, creativity, education and food. By Chloe is continuing its rapid expansion with plans to open two more eateries in New York in 2017. 
one in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and another at the Rockefeller Center, reports well and good. The move follows the opening of the brand's dessert store Sweets by Chloe in Greenwich Village in September this year. The menu at the new eateries will feature some of the chain's most popular dishes, along with some new offerings specific to each location. By Chloe will also open at the Seaport in New York City, as well as Boston in 2017. It's amazing how quickly this brand is growing and mainstreaming vegan eating. It's incredibly popular. The first restaurant in Manhattan had queues around the block and Miley Cyrus also popped in there and snapped a picture of herself on her Instagram. This is the kind of fast food we want to see taking over. Healthy, tasty, plant-based savouries and sweets. General Mills has announced it's launching a vegan soup line, reports Food Business News. Instead of dairy, beans and vegetable purees are used to create a creamy texture in the Progresso good-natured soups, which are also GMO-free and contain only natural preservatives. The three flavours are hearty tomato with spinach and roasted garlic, hearty corn and chipotle chowder, and hearty lentil with garden vegetables. Roger Galloway, marketing manager for Progresso, said, We know that consumers are more interested in plant-based diets. With good-natured soups, we're celebrating vegetables and showing that beans are not boring and lentils can be fun. So this is a great move. So many soups, even vegetarian ones, contain dairy. And for a huge company like General Mills to recognise that more people are wanting animal-free foods is a step in a positive direction towards vegan world domination. After lodging a lawsuit against the vegan Just Mayo product and later dropping it, Unilever, maker of Hellman's mayonnaise, brought out its own eggless spread. Now it's gone so far as to gain vegan certification for its product. The company, which continues to test its household products on animals, announced in a media release that the eggless spread had been certified vegan by Vegan Action, a national non-profit organisation in the US. Russell Lilly, marketing director at Hellman, said, Our fans depend on us to deliver delicious tasting choices that stand up to their family's high taste standards and changing dietary preferences. We pride ourselves on always bringing out the best and are proud to be donning the certified vegan logo as a way to reinforce this commitment. (laughs) What a turnaround. The news has been met, understandably, with mixed reactions from the animal rights and vegan communities, with some arguing that a company that tests on animals shouldn't be given a vegan certification, while others say that because the product itself is animal-free, it's fair enough to label it vegan. It's certainly interesting to see these large companies recognise the economic value of vegan products. Let's hope we can educate them on the ethics so they stop harming animals and make all their products vegan as well as cruelty-free. Finally, meat lovers in Dallas, Texas are up in arms about a vegan brisket, reports Wide Open Country. The entree at vegan eatery V Eats has caused a stir, with some locals arguing that a meat-free product shouldn't be allowed to be called brisket. 
Now, one of the reasons I'm including this in the news roundup is to show you how controversy is a good hook to get media coverage. This story has been shared in several outlets because the media love controversy. So have a think about whether your vegan product or service could have a controversial angle. You've got to be careful because it won't necessarily work with everything, but something like this is an easy win. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. Yeah.